Um, today I want to start a series. Um, I like series because, uh, I don't know, I just kind of like them. I, I, I just, as a preacher, you know, it's, it's maybe more fun for me to preach a series because I can get three or four, you know, good messages out of, you know, a passage or a, an idea or a topic. So today I'm going to start a new series called Authentic Worship. Authentic Worship. And the subtitle is this, Getting a Little Western for the Lord. Getting a little Western for the Lord. Now, some of you guys are like, does that mean I got to dress up? Does that mean I got to wear my hat before I can come to church? No, I'm not talking about anything really like that. If you've ever heard the term, it got a little Western. Anybody ever heard that term? Yeah, that means it gets a little exciting, right? Have you ever been on a horse when things got a little Western? Yeah, (laughs) he said, oh boy. Um, but I've, I've seen it. I've actually been a part of a few wrecks, but sometimes when, you know, you get in a pin with a horse or you get on a horse and that horse is feeling pretty good, you know, he may go to what? Bucking. He may, you know, feel a little fresh and maybe, you know, get a little excited and things get a little Western. Another example in the cowboy culture is, you know, let's say somebody's chasing a cow and they throw the um, most amazing loop and they just catch that sucker. And then that thing hits the end of the rope and, you know, things get a little Western, right? Um, And so you say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that we get excited. When I see a cowboy ride into a pen and his horse starts bucking a little bit, you know what I do? I don't go, that's what mamas do, right? That's what moms do. What do do cowboys do? They're like, yeah, come on, bring it, get on there. Don't let him bucket, get him, get him, get him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what we do, right? Because it's getting a little Western, and that's what we kind of, you know, live off of until we break our collarbone, you know, or something stupid. But that's kind of the idea, and you say, well, what's this mean? Well, here's the thing. At Thousand Hills Ranch Church, we enjoy getting a little Western for the Lord. Amen? Amen, yeah. It's okay. Some people, I told the band this morning, some people are going to walk into our church this morning that have been in a traditional church before, and they're going to be taken back by the way that we worship. I'm just telling you. Some of you guys have been here for years, and you're kind of used to the excitement, and and I hope that you never get used to it, but some of us kind of get used to the excitement, used to the, you know, the challenge, used to the smell. (laughs) But here's the thing. There are so many people that walk into our church for the first time, and you may be here today thinking the same thing. They walk in here and go, what is this? I mean, these guys actually smile. These guys are actually excited. Those people actually are riding horses, and it's 32 degrees outside. I mean, why the heck would they do that? Why? Because we like to have fun at church. Why do we clap? Why do we hoop? Why do we holler? It's because we enjoy worshiping Jesus. Amen? And so listen, at Thousand Hills Ranch Church, we enjoy getting a little Western for the Lord. I believe that churches ought to have two um, two, I guess, characteristics are do two things. Number one, they ought to worship the Lord. Amen? Number two, they ought to win the lost. Amen? You say, well, what does that mean? And again, maybe some of you haven't been in church. That means we share the good news with, with others of, about Jesus so that they can come to a personal relationship with Him. Does that make sense? I believe that's what every church ought to have. If you're missing one of those, then you're missing something very vital to the church. So that's what we're going to talk about today. In authentic worship, getting a little Western 
uh, for the Lord. In this series, listen to this, we will answer these questions. I'll give you a few of the questions we're going to answer. How does God want me to worship? How does he want me to worship? Uh, Another question, what does worship really look like? I mean, when you talk about worship, is it just singing? I mean, we're going to answer that question. Why do we worship? Why? I mean, why do we even worship? What keeps us from worshiping God? That's a good one. I mean, some of you guys are like, I don't understand why I don't want to worship, right? I don't understand why I don't ever feel the presence of the Lord in my life. Listen, we're going to answer those questions. What keeps us from worshiping God? And here's another question that is very important, and I think a lot of us miss out on this. How do we prepare for worship? I mean, how do I get prepared to worship God either, you know, in our church experience or outside the church? Uh, my desire, and here's the thing, I believe that it's God's desire that, that we should make every decision as an act of worship to God, and that every time we come into this church born, that we would experience true worship. Here's why. Listen, because he deserves it. Amen? He deserves it. And here's the other thing. If we say our God is such a good God, and we walk in and all we do is go, Why would anybody want to know our God? I'm just, I'm just telling you. Your actions, my actions, the way that we respond to God because of what He's done for us speaks wonders to the people that walk through these doors for the first time. So listen, some of you guys are looking at me like, I'll never sing out loud. And I'm like, it's okay. But at least smile. At least clap your hands a little bit. I know you're white, most of you. But you can clap. I mean, some of my black friends, I mean, again, some of them don't have rhythm either. (laughs) But we're a bunch of white people, and I know you can clap a little bit. Some of you guys can tap your toe. You can stomp your foot a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. And again, it's because he's worthy that we do those things, and people are watching us. They're watching us. And so you may be saying, well, what's this whole idea? Well, today I want to start or begin this series by answering a couple foundational questions about authentic worship. Okay? You ready? Number one is this. We're going to answer two questions today and we're done. Number one, what is worship? What is it? I mean, if, if we're going to do it, if we're going to take part in it, if we're going to experience it, then we've got to know really what worship really is. So let me give you a definition. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Worship is our expression of love, our expression of devotion towards something or someone. Let me say it again. Worship is our expression of love and devotion for something or someone. And you say, well, what's this idea? Well, here's the thing. We worship something when we are what? When we're consumed by it. Think about it. If I was to say I worship this or I worship that or I worship God, that means what? My heart is consumed by Him. My my life is consumed by it. And again, we're going to talk about other things that we can worship. But when, when we truly worship something, our hearts are set on it, our minds are set on it, our, our, our lives are set on it. And sometimes, again, our money is even set on it. You can tell maybe what you worship by where you spend your money. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, we're going to talk about it. Here's some truths about worship. Number one, we can worship anything. We can worship anything. 
I mean, have you ever thought about it? I mean, some people are like, no, worship is really, you know, it, it only happens in church. It only happens with God. No, I, I'm here to tell you, you're, you're naive if you think that there are not other things that we can worship. I, I had a conversation with my five-year-old, my seven-year-old, and my nine-year-old this morning. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, when I say the word worship, what do you think? I'm asking a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. And they began to say, well, it, you know, they gave me the spiritual answer, which is, I was like, yes, we're doing something right. <laughs> because they were like, we worship God. We honor God. When we worship, we give Him, you know, our praise. We praise Him. And then I said, well, what are other things that you think that, that you can worship if God's not, you know, number one? What are some other things that you could be tempted to worship? My daughter spoke up. She said, I, I, I think I could be tempted to worship sports, right? I mean, I can put that ahead of God. You know, my, my son, he's like, I, I could put uh, Michael Jordan. I could worship Michael Jordan. My son got number 23 on his basketball journey. He, he played his first game this last Saturday or yesterday. So now I told him that's Michael Jordan's number. And he's like, well, I could worship Michael Jordan. I mean, think about it. The truth is this. We can worship anything. We can, we can worship people. Let me give you an example. Um, have you ever heard, anybody ever heard of the band Mercy Me? Anybody ever heard of them? Yeah, great worship band. They, they, they uh, wrote a song. Uh, the lead singer is Bart Millard, and they wrote a song called I Can Only Imagine. Anybody ever heard that song? I mean, it's one of the greatest songs ever written. But here's the thing. Bart Millard tells a story. Bart Millard's the lead singer for Mercy Me, and he tells a story about the first time that he truly experienced worship. Guess where it was? A Garth Brooks concert. That's what he says. I mean, some people are like, so when did you really, you know, ever experience true worship? I mean, I don't think he grew up in church. So, like, the first time he ever truly says experience worship was at a Garth Brooks concert. And you say, well, how does that happen? Well, when people are consumed by an individual, I mean, remember back in the day when Garth Brooks was selling millions of records? I mean, there were people on the front row, you know, passing out, just like the Beatles. Remember? Some of you guys remember the Beatles, right? You were there. But, but that's what he said. He's like, the first time I ever really experienced worship was the Garth Brooks concert because people were hyperventilating. I mean, they were screaming at the top of their lungs because they got to see Garth Brooks, right? I mean, I've been to George Strait concert. I, I, I'm telling you, there are people that worship George Strait. When he walked out of that, you know, out of that little area where he walks down and he's waving at the crowd and he just, you know, does this one little finger deal and everybody, you know, falls on that area because they're all wooed by him. I'm telling you, people can worship them. Celebrities, I mean, people, you know, they, they think that, you know, that person is, she's so beautiful. I, I just want to be like her. I mean, people can even worship preachers. I'm just, can I just be honest about that? I mean, I've seen a lot of people, they put everything that they have, they're like, you're the best. You're the best preacher I've ever heard. I mean, you're so amazing. I mean, if the church, if it's ever going to grow, it's because of you. And I'm like, okay, let me, can I just give you some good advice? Praise me, praise me, encourage me, but don't worship me. Does that make sense? Because I'm going to fail you. <laughs> I am not a good God. <laughs> there is only one God, and he's the only one worthy of true worship. That said, you are to encourage people. You are to build them up. It's okay to tell people they did a good job. But we only worship the one and only Savior. Amen? 
You say, well, what else? What other things can we worship? I believe that we can worship things. How many of you guys uh, have a truck or a car that you love? I'm just telling you. Some people, I've seen a lot of crazy people do crazy things because of their cars. I mean, here's the, you may worship your car if you park, you know, six miles outside the nearest car in the parking lot. Anybody? Anybody do that? Yeah. Yeah, you got this. I'm just saying that this might be your case. If you're going, no, that's not me, then it's probably you. You know, if you get upset when some people are, no, you can't get in my car. Take your shoes off first. Wipe your shoes off before you get in my car. You may just worship your car. Um, you know, there's, there's other things that, that we could talk about. Um, get ladies, you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're consumed or you're, you know, you worship clothes. I mean, I just got to have that. I mean, that, that Louis Vuitton, you know, purse. I mean, it's just so amazing. I just love it. And you just hug it all the time and you sleep with it by your pillow. I mean, some people do that. I mean, again, it, it, I'll go back to the truck deal. If you've named your car, you probably worship it. <laughs> That's kind of a joke. But I know some people are like, oh, Sylvia, I love you. The car's silver. Oh, you're so beautiful, Sylvia. You know what I'm saying? So, again, you can worship anything. And I'm not saying that you can't. It's, it's wrong to own things. Obviously, I love owning things, and I think God has blessed us with things that we can own and enjoy, right? But here's the thing. When those things begin to own you, and you sacrifice other things, you know, that are actually needs for all these wants and all this stuff, you might be worshiping things. Some of you maybe worship your job. You say, well, how do I know if I'm, I'm worshiping my job? Well, again, it consumes you. You're a workaholic. I mean, you, you, you somehow think that your lasting fulfillment is only going to come through your title, through your, your, your salary, through your, your meeting your quotas. I mean, again, you, you, you just, it just consumes you. It's all, you know, i got to get to work. I mean, just everything, get out of the way, everything. I mean, it's just, it's worship of that. Um, sports. Some of you guys love sports. Some of you guys, you know, maybe you're young, maybe, you know, some teenagers or whatever. They're like, i got to be the best basketball player there ever was. And they sell out to that. Or when your team loses, and you sell out to that, like OSU did. Oh, man, I know that stinks. But here's the thing. You may be thinking, well, how do I know if, if I, I'm worshiping something? Okay, you ready? I'm going to answer this question. How do, how do we know if we're worshiping something? Here's the question. Ask yourself this question. Do, does what I have, does, is what I'm doing, is what, you know, who I follow consume me more than the things of God? Let me ask it another way. Ready? Do you sacrifice the things of God... Like praying, like reading your Bible, like coming to church, like tithing, like worshiping to get more stuff to do what you're doing or to follow who you're following. Do you sacrifice those things? I mean, think about it. I mean, here, here's, here's, hear me right. God, he, he doesn't like it when we are motivated by guilt. I've got to go to church. I've got to check it off my list because God wants me to be a good person. And I'm a robot. I do it out of duty. He doesn't like that. It's not about being legalistic. It's not about going, well, you know, I can't, you know, I, I can't have any fun. No, you can have fun. You can enjoy the things of life. But when you are doing something and it causes you to neglect the things of God, you may be worshiping it. Are you with me? 
Yeah, like going deer hunting. <laughs> Some people are in deer stands today. But again, I'm not saying if you miss church, listen, I'm not saying if you, you miss church because you're going deer hunting or you're going to see a football game or you go shopping, that you're worshiping those things. I mean, again, we're supposed to enjoy the things that God has created. But listen, if I haven't been to church in four months because I've been too busy doing what I want to do, I may worship that. If I haven't read my Bible in three weeks because I was too busy doing all the things that I want to do, you may worship that. If, you, if you're, you, you can't afford to give a tithe or an offering because you're broke, because you spent all your money on all these things, you may be worshiping those things. Does that make sense? Um, you, you might have you know, made uh, you know, them another god. Um, I'll, I'll give you another example, and, and we'll move forward to the second question. You may worship your spouse. You may worship your kids. And some of you guys are like, well, how does that happen? Am I not supposed to love my wife with all my heart? Absolutely. But here's where it becomes wrong. When I decide that my wife's will is more important than God's will, when I decide that my kids are going to run my life and whatever they say they want to do is what I'm going to do, even though God has told me to do something different. Does that make sense? I mean, I see people all the time, they try to raise kids, they try to raise teenagers, and when the teenager goes, no, I don't want to do that, no, I don't want to go to church, no, I don't want to be kind to my brother, no, I don't want to do that, the parents go, well, you just get to stay home. You don't, church, I mean, it's your decision. Really? God is, says in the Bible that we're supposed to raise children in Him. That as long as, and, and this may be my belief, but as long as they're under my roof, then they're going to do what I tell them to do. So it's not about their will over what God has told me to do. It's about God's will over them and in my life. And so some of you guys are dating people and it's like, oh, they don't want to go to church. Well, break up with them. Oh, they, they don't like, you know, you know, listening to Christian. I mean, again, if they don't like the things of God, then you need to break up with them. You may be worshiping them. You're putting their will ahead of God's will. Does that make sense? I mean, some of you guys need to think about that. And, and again, you, you say, what else can I worship? Well, anything that you put before God, it's probably an idol, and you're probably worshiping it. And, and Jesus, or God said, you know, in, in one of his Ten Commandments, he said in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before who? Before me. So, the truth is, listen, all of the things that, you know, that I just listed, they're all great, right? They all are great for fun. They're temporarily fulfilling. But, I want you to hear this, they make terrible gods. <laughs> they do. You, 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 nothing on earth can truly satisfy you. Nothing. You can worship it. You can give it your all. You can put your whole heart into it. You can sell your life out to it. But listen, one day, give it a little time, and guess what? The new wears off. The satisfaction goes away. And you begin to be empty because you've worshipped the wrong thing. Right? You've worshipped the wrong thing, and it's eventually going to fade. And so listen, you say, well, okay, Bo, <clears throat> what should be the object of my worship? Well, it's not a what, it's a who. And, and here's the answer. As Christians, Jesus should be the object of our worship. Are you with me? 
Jesus should be the object of our worship. Look at Psalm 145, verse 3. It says this, great is the, what's the word? Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Listen, friends, listen. Jesus is, is himself should be the one who consumes us. I mean, listen, he, he should have our attention above all things in this world. He should have our devotion above all things in this world. He should have our words. He should have our minds. He should have our heart. Everything that we have should be consumed by Jesus. Because when he's first, listen, everything else falls in place. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be handed to you. Everything else. And you say, well, but why? Why should I worship Jesus? That's the second question. Why worship Jesus? I mean, again, some of you guys are thinking, why should I be consumed by Jesus? I mean, why should, why should I let him consume my thoughts or my actions? Well, here's the truth. If you know Jesus, then you probably know the answer to that question. Because you've experienced him. You've truly experienced his love, his provision, everything that he provides. But I, I want to give you some reasons for why worshiping Jesus. And, and the reasons are endless, but let me give you a few. Ready? First is he created you. He created us. I mean, he's the creator of the world. Why would we not worship the creator of the world rather than worshiping the creation? Does that make sense? Number two, because his name is above every name. You say, why? Why do I worship Jesus above everything else? Because his name is above every name. Look at Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 9 through 11. In him, well, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And, and, and then it goes on to say, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see what the verse is saying? There's no greater man that ever walked the face of the earth than Jesus. There's no greater Savior. There's only really one Savior, that, 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 and His name is Jesus. You say, why should I worship Him? Well, I'll give you this, I'll give you a few more because he's loved us, he loved us enough to die for us. Why should I worship Jesus? Because he loved us enough to die for us. Look at 1 John 4:19. It says we love because what? He he first loved us. John 3:16 for God so what? He loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? eternal life. You say, why should I worship Jesus? Because he loved us first. He loved us first. He gave, God gave his only son so that we might have lasting fulfillment on earth and eternity in heaven. And guess what? Here's the, here's the most amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus didn't go, hey, Bo, um, if you'll clean up your life, if you'll start living for me, then I'll die for you. No, what did he do? Romans 5.8, look at it. Romans 5.8, but God showed his what? Great love for us by sending Christ to what? To die for us while what? We were still sinners. I mean, are you, so are, do you see it? 
Jesus loved us enough to leave heaven, to come to earth, to die for our sins while we were still filthy, while we were still shameful, while we were still lost, while we were still rebellious, also that we might be forgiven of our sins. You say, why should I worship him? Because he loved me enough to die for me. Can I get, this is where we get a little Western. It's okay to get a little Western. Can we get a little clap in there? Number, here's another thing. He paid a price that we couldn't pay. You say, no, I'm going to buy my way in. No, you can't. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't come to church enough to, to satisfy God. He wants you to come to church, but just because you come to church doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. He paid the only price that he could pay so that we could be forgiven. You say, why else? Because he died on a cross after living a sinless life. Who of us deserves heaven? None of us. But what did Jesus do? He came to the earth, he lived a perfect life, and he says, hey, guess what? I'm going to die for your sin. I'm going to die because, because you need forgiven. You know why else? His love is unconditional. Why? Why should I worship Jesus? Because his love is unconditional. And the last thing is, because he is worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of it. Our, our prayer, our psalms, our lives should be the same as the angels in heaven. Listen to Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. It says, and they sang in a mighty chorus. You guys say it with me. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is worthy to receive our worship. So listen, we ought to worship Jesus. All the things of this world, again, they're going to fade. They're going to be left above ground while we go into the ground. Can't take it with you when you go. But Jesus came and he saved us so that we could have eternal life. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking around. Again, you may be asking this question, what, what should my response be to what Jesus has done for me? Again, you know what the answer is? We should worship Him. We should worship Him. And so today, maybe you, you know, you, you got this idea of worship defined for you for the first time. You're like, oh, I don't even know what worship is. When you say that, you know, that we should worship Him, what is that? Well, hopefully after today, you realize that, that, that worship is, is our expression to Jesus for what He's done for us. It's our love for Him. It's our devotion. And it's through our actions of our, the actions of our heart, the decisions of our life, the praise that we sing, that we worship Him. And so maybe you're here today and you're already a Christian. Um, can I just ask you this question? Just think about this. Is Jesus the object of your worship? I mean, think about it. Think about what your heart and your mind and your money and your time and all that stuff. Is, is He the object of your worship based on those facts? Or are you consumed by something else? Think about it. I mean, what do you live for? Do you live for your job? 
I mean, we all got to work, right? But do you live for that? Do you say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell out to that? Or do you live for sports? you live for ranching? you live, you know, to be a cowboy? I mean, all those things, you, you just, I'm going to sell out to that. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to, you know, that's just what I, you know, live for. Listen, if you think, well, you know what, Bo, I, if I was to be honest, I would say I probably have sold out and I've started worshiping something else. Can I just encourage you, if that's you today and you've done that, here's the one word that I want to share with you. Repent. Repent. And you say, well, Bo, what does that word mean? I mean, it's kind of a Christian word. I don't understand what that means. Well, here's what it means. When we repent, that means we turn from whatever it is that we are worshiping or whatever sin that has entangled us, and we turn away from it and we turn to God. And so, listen, maybe you're here today and you've made something else the object of your worship. And you need to turn away from it and say, okay, God, I'm turning away from what I have sold my soul to, what I've sold all my time, my energy, all this stuff, and I've put it ahead of you, and I'm putting you back in first place. Forgive me. Maybe you just need to pray that. Forgive me, Lord, for putting something ahead of you. Maybe you need to make that your prayer. Maybe you need to make this your prayer. I'm committing to you today, Lord, to put you back in your right place of worship. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for saving me from my sin. I commit to worship you and to worship you alone. How many of you guys, with nobody's looking around, but how many of you guys would say, Bo, I, I just prayed that. I, I need to recommit my heart and my mind to Jesus. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. All across the barn, yeah. Maybe, you're, again, if you just, if you made that commitment, listen, do whatever it takes to put him first. That means you got to get rid of a hobby or you got to get rid of this or you got to get rid of that or you got to sell this or do this. I mean, again, do whatever it takes. It's not about just making a commitment when I challenge you. It's about following through on that commitment and worshiping Jesus first. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never placed your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've never experienced his love or you, you, know, you know, you've never experienced his forgiveness. Listen, it's time to make him the Lord of your life. It's time. There is no time to waste. And so maybe you need to pray this prayer with me. Lord, I need forgiveness of my sin. Please forgive me. Be my Lord and my Savior. I commit my life to you today. And I want to worship you and worship you alone. Thank you for saving me. Listen, maybe you just prayed that prayer for the first time in your life and you committed your life to Jesus today. You committed to, to making Him the Lord of your life. Here's the thing. Maybe you just did that. Again, nobody's looking around. I, 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 we want to know so that we can pray for you and celebrate with you. And so if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Listen, those of you that just raised your hand and you said, I commit my life to Jesus today. 
for the first time in my life, I commit to him. I want to worship him with all my life. I want forgiveness of my sin. Listen, you have made the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. Now you get to experience what true worship really is. Because he is an amazing God. He is an amazing God. And so listen, as Jill and Wes come, I'm going to lead us in a closing word prayer. And they're going to come and explain what the next step is for your life. If you've made a commitment and you want to share it with us, they're going to explain how you can do that. Lord, I come to you right now and I thank you for the opportunity to share the truth about worship, Lord. And Lord, may we not put anything ahead of you. May we not be consumed by the things of this world. May we not be, you know, sold out to the things that are going to fade to the, to the you know, things or the people in this world. But may we be consumed by you. And may we worship you with all our hearts. It's in your holy name I pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Bo Haig at Thousand Hills Ranch Church in Woodward, Oklahoma. Please join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Woodward Livestock Auction. I'm a riding fool who is up to date. I rode every trail in the Lone Star State. I roamed the range in my Ford V8. Yippee, I old tie.